Welcome back, everyone. Today I'm very excited to share the writing of the Game of Thrones book, especially the prologue in the beginning of Game of Thrones, to show you just how unique the writing style is and different it is from any other pieces of literature I've read and how it introduces you to a story and immediately gets you invested and immersed and you really just ready to see where it leads you and what, it, what the story wants to tell. So let's start this off. At the beginning of the book, you immediately realize that it's not so cut and clear what's going on. You start out with these three men, supposedly, out in the wilderness in the cold and the dark, and it's very descriptive of what they wear and just like this weird job they have of being these knights watch, being these watchers of the wall, which is really different because you don't know like even if it's a medieval fantasy story a defenders of the wall in a snow-ridden area with little to zero life from these uh bar bar barbarians or other known as wildings it it's 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 very interesting to see a more focused story with immediate action and mood right off the bat rather than introducing character characters or saying you know this guy is from Camelot and he pulled a sword sword it's just kind of just going immediately and it has all suspension almost suspense and horror that isn't really seen in these typical fantasy series where there is very little talk about the violence there's very little talk about the murder and sacking of a village, if the children are killed, if the woman and, and everyone is just butchered completely right off the bat. And the prologue is really good at setting up like the political customs and just institutions, the lords, the wall, the leaders, what they're protecting from just right away for the world building. And when we start to read farther into this prologue, we're able to see that there's this young nobleman and there's this uh, experienced hunter commoner that was caught uh, killing the Lord's game when it wasn't his, which was a rule back then if you didn't know, by the way. you The deer and animals on his land were his, and if you were found killing or hunting them, even if you were to the point of starving during winter, they would either send you to execution or to labor, which also is another just immediate show of historical references on how this story isn't gonna, you know, hold any punches when it comes to fantasy. It's not that these lords and kings are good people. These are wealthy people who are mostly in it for the self-interest, and they don't care about the peasantry. And with these different characters named Jared and uh, Vimer, they, cla uh, they clash repeatedly because they are on this um, quest, almost, or mission to scout out in front of the wall and see if these people called the Wildings, which are people who live north of this wall, uh, that live under no lord or no king, and... You can already see here that it's bringing in 
people who don't live under a set in stone government or you know, a monarchy or just any system like that they call them wildings and savages and other names and when they're tasked to find what they are they find um, bodies piled up butchered to the walls children women men all just cut up to pieces nailed and frozen yet the fires was still going and it's a really unique situation and when we see this we see the unexperienced nobleman who is just trying to prove himself saying to keep continuing on and to keep moving until we find the live wildings while the experienced uh, Jared wants to con continue backwards and head back because they have completed their mission so kind of looking at this and analyzing it we can kind of see a meritocratic system where a bastard is still leading a mission and immediately this shows the conflict between them based on authority and like where their family is who they are you can already see the issue of the feudal system being put into here it's perpetuated immediately and as they you know continue to go north of the wall it shows in uh written dialogue of just how the night is different how the sounds sort of in the cold it's almost as everything is just turning into them and these grown men who've never been afraid of the dark or necessarily in the wild of how far they are away from civilization surrounded by danger the dark the wind the cold, everything even to the veteran is, is scaring him immediately with these three different characters. And you know, as we continue on, Jared, by the way, who is the grizzled ranger veteran who's been doing this for roughly 41 years since he was the age of 11 and is being commanded by this 21-year-old uh bastard who wants to assume he's a noble and act like he's a noble for since he's never been able to use his family line in any way shape or form until now uh kind of just shows how even though he has more experience he still weirdly backs down to way i must obey because he is his leader and unlike today back then names meant something it had it really changed in how you acted and no matter how you experience you you just didn't attack the power or the system in a way that could harm yourself and as these uh, characters continued again it goes into the darker setting of how Jared even considered when they were lighting a fire when it, when they were starting to freeze and how he considered to grab the sword and just butcher his captain and get it over with so they could head back and not have to deal with this petty, unexperienced leader. And as they continue to go to where they, Will had said he had found these bodies, they come back and find it empty. Uh, back to the part where the woman, children, and everyone in this small little village camp was butchered to the trees, walls cut in half into weird formations. And the Weimar, the noble, starts to act like he's an idiot man, peasant, for thinking he saw what he saw, that the darkness got to him and his scaredness. 
But as they continue bickering, bickering and arguing, they start to notice they slowly start to get surrounded by five beings, but they're they're not human. Uh, they're some sort of just icy figure of a man and with these crackling noises when they move. And when Weimar goes to draw his luxurious sword with gems and all these engravings, this very expensive sword, um, acting as if he is this amazing fighter for having such a good f sword, goes to fight one of the individuals. And the other individuals really step back and let the other one just fight him alone. And it pulls out a thin, is like paper thin sword of ice, and he immediately goes to clash it, and it shatters to pieces, and it goes into the throat of Weimar, and goes into detail of him watching his sword of jewels break that he expected to be so valiant against any other weaker or non well made noble sword, and it just shows him dying, and then. It goes to Will, whose duty is to protect and fight the wall, continuously immediately running away up into a tree, while the veteran starts to run as well, who's for 40 years known his duty is to protect the people in the wall, but immediately runs from the situation. And eventually it gets to the experienced veteran Jared um, being found in front of Will and decapitated while it goes up to Will and for some reason just lets him go and it the prologue ends there and then immediately after that um, we head to the next chapter which is where the next episode will be we'll be talking about uh, why each chapter is a different character, how it fits into the story building, how there is no, we said archetype or protagonist or antagonist, and how we are immediately again set off with a crazy story and a different function where we got this weird prologue with these characters that aren't main characters, but for some reason he felt the need to introduce us to their story right away before we started off with what is considered the actual story. Um, don't forget to check out my episode next week on Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern as usual, and I will see you guys in the next one.